Hey there, and welcome to Highly Sensitive Content, the podcast for people who think and feel deeply about others, even when they're imaginary. My name is Alyssa, and this is the very first episode in a series on highly sensitive people, or HSPs, in fiction. If you don't know what that means, make sure you check out the podcast trailer. Today, I'll be looking at a character from the Disney Pixar film Inside Out. She's timid, she's cute, and she takes being blue to a whole new level. It's sadness. I'm sadness. She felt like the perfect character for this debut episode because, honestly, there's some extremely strong evidence within the movie to support the idea that sadness is highly sensitive. But rest assured that my conclusion isn't simply because sadness is quick to turn on the waterworks. It's a fairly common misunderstanding that being sensitive means you're unable to keep your emotions under control or that you're thin-skinned. And I believe Inside Out does a great job at debunking that assumption. So let's explore! Just a quick warning, if you haven't seen this film before, there will be spoilers. Also, if you intend to watch it for the first time ahead of listening in, fellow HSPs may find that it's a bit of a draining viewing experience, so remember to practice some self-care afterwards. Inside Out follows an 11-year-old girl named Riley, and most of the film depicts personifications of the emotions that exist within her. Those emotions are joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust. Despite having a relatively harmonious start in life, the main characters are faced with some serious complications as Riley grows up, and she must find a way to cope with her conflicting and sometimes catastrophizing internal feelings. Right from the start, we are shown that Joy is essentially the character in charge when it comes to Riley. Joy is Riley's only emotion when she is born. Personally, I think there's some artistic license taken here. And because Joy manifested first, it probably seems fair enough that she would take the reins. After all, who could argue that Joy isn't the best feeling we could have? The negative connotations that come with sadness, fear, anger, and disgust are pretty apparent. However, sadness came into existence right after Joy, 33 seconds after, to be precise. And she quickly began expressing herself in Riley's actions just as much as Joy was. This actually makes a lot of sense. Babies have to cry whenever they need something because it's virtually the only method of communication they possess. But even though Sadness is a very thoughtful, observant, and compassionate character, she is disregarded by others as a necessary piece of Riley's personality. Joy certainly does not see Sadness as a fundamental part of the emotional spectrum, as evidenced by her saying things like, I'm not actually sure what she does. And I've checked, there's no place for her to go, so she's good, we're good, it's all great. And this is the circle of sadness. Your job is to make sure that all the sadness stays inside of it. So you want me to just stand here? Hey, it's not my place to tell you how to do your job. Since Joy has taken over most of the control herself, the other emotions also follow her lead and allow sadness to largely get pushed aside. We are shown how orb-shaped memories are created by Riley's experiences, and they take on a particular color to represent the relevant emotion associated with the memory. It is considered a good day by everyone if most of the memories created are joyful ones, but a bad day if there's too much sadness. For any fellow HSPs out there, it may be a familiar position to be considered the resident buzzkill in a group. Joy and sadness are challenged when they are both suddenly whisked away to an area of Riley's mind that they've never been in before. The two are obviously confused and worried about how they can get themselves back to headquarters. 
Did you catch that pun? Headquarters. But sadness becomes a drag, quite literally, because she is so overwhelmed by their plight. In a previous scene, she explains, Crying helps me slow down and obsess over the weight of life's problems. She withdraws in order to gain some energy and stability back. I'm too sad to walk. Just give me a few hours. But isn't given enough space for this to work adequately. This is why she winds up shutting down multiple times. Her overstimulation is compounded with each new setback. Yeah, the long, 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 long way. An uncomfortable experience. Oh, is it all gonna be so interactive? The recharge process for HSPs differs from person to person, but I can say from my own perspective that if I'm unable to disengage and take a break after trying something new or dealing with overstimulation, things turn into a real struggle. One detail that I appreciate in this movie is that we do get to witness Sadness attempt to speak up when she has a strong opinion about something. After Riley and her family first arrive at their new home, Riley's dad becomes distracted by a work call and she feels pretty dejected at that moment. Sadness responds by saying, Oh, he doesn't love us anymore. That's sad. I I should drive, right? And she tries to step up to the controls. Even though this is a bit of an overreaction, she has a valid point. Riley probably should feel sad about this. But Joy quickly interjects and won't allow sadness to take charge because, well, sad is equated with failure. It's clear that this is not a new situation for sadness, and it makes her stay off to the side where she won't cause any more trouble. She's made to feel like the bad part of Riley. She doesn't receive any support from the others, and sadness apologizes to the rest of the emotions a lot in the movie. But even though Sadness isn't able to speak up often, she is constantly listening and taking in important details that make her intuition truly valuable. Getting stuck in an unfamiliar place throws both joy and Sadness for a loop, but Sadness is the one who has the knowledge pertaining to their circumstances. I'm positive you will get lost in there. That's long-term memory. Endless warrant of corridors and shelves. I read about it in the manuals. Notices the environment around them, and makes critical suggestions, like avoiding abstract thought. Joy, what? Well, I read about this place in the manual. We shouldn't go in there. And later waking Riley up when the train of thought shuts down. How about we wake her up? Sadness, that's ridiculous. How could we possibly... (gasps) How about we wake her up? Great idea, Joy. Can we also pause for just a sec to acknowledge how clever the train of thought is? The visual representations of everything are so pleasant. Getting back to the point, though, Joy is so used to everyone deferring to her judgment, and at first, they genuinely believe that her way is the right way. Even Sadness puts Joy on a pedestal and reacts very strongly when Joy praises her. Hey, that was a good idea about scaring Riley awake. You're not so bad. Really? Not to mention, she corrects herself for describing the memories that she likes, as though her natural opinions need to be resisted. Hmm, I love that one too. Not a girl, now you're getting it. Yeah, it was the day the Prairie Dogs lost the big playoff game. Riley missed the winning shot. She felt awful, she wanted to quit. Sorry, I went sad again, didn't I? I'll tell you what, we can keep working on that when we get back, okay? Okay. But Joy's strategies involve being rather impulsive, and she doesn't utilize much patience in her problem solving. Sadness, on the other hand, 
waits until she has more information and has a better awareness of the consequences when they make a choice. Her sensitivity is a major factor in hers and Joy's ability to reach the end of their journey. Even though sadness ought to be recognized for being a more steadfast and conscientious emotion than the others, she has instead internalized that she is a nuisance. I'm sorry, something's wrong with me. It's like I'm having a breakdown. Listen to what Joy says to Sadness right before shooting off through a recall tube and leaving her behind. Sadness, stop! (sighs) You're hurting Riley! No, 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 I did it again! If you get in here, these core memories will get sad. I'm sorry. Riley needs to be happy. Did anyone else feel a horrible lump in their throat at that? Dealing with this perpetual underappreciation makes Sadness decide that... Joy may have come to regret her decision to quite literally yeet off to victory, but the damage is done. Sadness tries to hide herself away in imagination land instead of returning with Joy so she can't hurt Riley anymore. We might not know what would have happened if Joy had followed through and Riley was no longer able to express sadness. We've seen the instability resulting from only three of her emotions driving her, though and it's safe to assume that she'd have significant hardship when it comes to communicating and understanding herself. Deep down, I think Sadness knows that she has a big role to play in Riley's life, given that she instinctively wants to touch certain memories, even after learning that this changes them to sad memories. She did something to the memory! What did you do? I I just touched it. That shouldn't make it change. Change it back, Joy! Sadness hasn't had opportunities to see how her being more involved can influence Riley, but she seems to really want to trust her gut feeling that Riley needs her. She routinely tries very hard to make a positive impact anyway, and a great example of this is when Joy and Sadness meet Riley's imaginary friend Bing Bong. This part cotton candy, part elephant, part dolphin creature leads them to a shortcut through abstract thought. The three of them are nearly trapped inside, I mean, geez, guys, she tried to tell you. But Sadness can see a solution because of the way she carefully considers all angles and options available, another typical characteristic in HSPs. Shortly thereafter, Sadness perfectly demonstrates that avoiding sad feelings or trying to bury them isn't always effective. When Bing Bong cries because he's worried that Riley will forget about him, Joy's knee-jerk reaction is to try and make him laugh. I had a whole trip planned for us. Hey, who's ticklish, huh? Here comes the tickle monster! She wants a quick and easy fix so they can continue on their trek back to headquarters, but it's our little blue hero who takes the time to sit with Bing Bong and talk out how he's feeling. I'm sorry they took your rocket. They took something that you loved. It's gone. Forever. Sadness. Don't make him feel worse. Sorry. It's all I had left of Riley. I bet you and Riley had great adventures. Oh, they were wonderful. Once we flew back in time, we had breakfast twice that day. Sadness! It sounds amazing. I bet Riley liked it. Oh, she did. We were best friends. (laughs) Yeah, it's sad. She understands why he's upset. She reassures him and she empathizes with him. Joy appears to be a bit dumbfounded by the fact that this strategy helps. How did you do that? And it wakes her up to the notion that sadness does have a lot to offer in her own way. Empathy happens to be one of the key strengths of highly sensitive people. 
We relate so well to others and can almost effortlessly put ourselves in their shoes in order to express compassion that's clearly genuine. In the end, Joy believes in sadness when no one else yet sees her value. Joy ensures that sadness isn't abandoned, but even after they make a triumphant return by, you know, gracefully smacking into a window, fear, anger, and disgust are still only talking to Joy. It's Joy! They are so desperate for her to put everything back to normal that they barely even acknowledge sadness's presence. Oh god, I've been there, sweetie. It's rough. Thankfully, Joy understands that Sadness is the one who has what it takes to help Riley, and she finally encourages her to be in control. Joy, you gotta fix this! Get up there! Sadness, it's up to you. Me? Sadness? Sadness? I can't, Joy. Yes, you can. Riley needs you. What Riley knows about herself has been seriously shaken by all of the changes in her life. But refusing to let Sadness in and not opening up about her honest feelings so she can process them ultimately leaves some scars. At her core, Riley is sad by the end of the story, which is emphasized by her core memories, the most important ones, turning blue at Sadness's touch. However, she is still able to make new core memories, now with a mix of feelings. We contain multitudes, people. It's actually a great thing to get a little complicated. The crucial takeaway seems to be that all emotions are necessary in order to communicate, grow, and learn about yourself. Struggling with your feelings is natural, and everyone experiences discomfort with new things at one point or another. Even though over time you might lose parts of your identity that were once vital to you, it is always possible to rebuild and rediscover who you are. As an audience member, I felt it was a poignant conclusion, with some helpful lessons for kids in particular, but the profound education for adults with kids in their lives is fantastic as well. Take note. It is not always helpful to tell your children to cheer up and look on the bright side. Everyone, and I do mean everyone, needs to feel sad and retreat into our cozy turtleneck sweaters sometimes. As an HSP, I was so pleased that Sadness, the quiet little misfit, was ultimately such a lovable character exactly as she was. Acceptance, rather than making her change to be more cheery, was definitely the way to go. So what are your opinions? If you're a highly sensitive person too, was Sadness someone who stood out for you? There's a link in the episode description to leave me a voice message, as well as a link to the Facebook page. I have a whole pile of episodes planned for the future, and I would love some feedback, so please reach out. Thanks for listening, and remember to always handle yourself with care. 